Lord, thank you that your, your word is, is true and powerful. It's a, it's a light and a hammer. It's a, it's a sword. It's all of those things we just sung. And so we pray, uh, Lord, that your word would be uh, all of those things for us today. And Lord, would you make us whole by your word? Would you heal us? Um, and would you, well, you need to, would you wound us like uh, a surgeon might wound so that we can be healed? Lord, would you wound and heal? By the power and the goodness of your word, we pray. Amen. So, uh, Matthew 6 and verse 9. This is Jesus teaching his followers, his disciples, how to pray. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's that last verse that we're going to be looking at today. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's a story that I found really helpful in my Christian life over the past uh, few years, and it's called The Pilgrim's Progress. Now, it's an old story, and it's written in Old English, so it's not massively accessible, but it's written by this guy called uh, John Bunyan. I think that's a picture of him there. And he wrote it while he was in prison for preaching the gospel in this country. And, uh, and it gives a really helpful vision of the Christian life. So, so he describes the story of this character called Christian, uh, a man. And, uh, and he's on a journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. And, and we follow his journey through the ups and downs and the twists and, and the turns. And it becomes quite obvious as you read it that this journey is the journey of the Christian life. And on his journey, Christian meets some people who are really helpful to him, who encourage him along the way, who sustain and strengthen him and and help him along. He also meets some people who distract him, who lead him astray, who give him false advice and false counsel and, and, and no help to him at all. He walks at times through pleasant meadows where he can rest and his soul is refreshed. And other times he walks through dark valleys. He faces many challenges along the way and and he gets locked up in Doubting Castle by giant despair at one point. He navigates the slough of despond at another. He faces attacks from lions and even the evil one himself. And yet through it all, God's word is the thing that is a comfort and a help to Christian on this journey. And and there's this kind of shepherd lamb figure that guides him along the way and appears at various key points. It's a really helpful story because it's a parable of the Christian life in the world. I think often when we feel like we're locked up in in doubts and we just can't escape that prison or or, or we're deep in a battle with temptation that it doesn't really feel like we're winning, we wonder, am I doing it right? Am I even a Christian? Am Am I on the path? Am I doing something wrong? And, and, and we certainly think, maybe, maybe I'm not going to go on with this. I might, might not make it in the end, after all. Well, the Pilgrim's Progress is a, is a helpful reminder and depiction of the realities of the Christian life. And it shows us, reminds us, listen, stuff like temptations, stuff like attack, stuff like doubts and sometimes despair, sometimes going off the path, that is all part of the Christian Life. That's all relatively normal. You know, John Bunyan didn't make it up. He, he wrote it from his own experience, and he wrote it, of course, from what he understood the Bible to teach us. And Jesus knows that this is the way. 
He knows this is the way. He's walked life's road before us. So as we finish Lord's Prayer today, the final thing that Jesus teaches us to ask of God is for his deliverance. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, this prayer that began a few weeks ago as we looked at it, didn't it? With our Father in heaven. What is it finishes? There's an awareness of the evil one. And yet, there's still a confidence, there's still a hope, even while there is that awareness that we will overcome him. Here's the thing, I think this is my concern. I think some of us are basically spiritually sleepwalking through life. And we're not alert, and we're not aware of the realities around us. And if you're spiritually sleepwalking, that is a very dangerous thing. Micah told us some funny things that he gets up to when he sleepwalks this week. Ask him about that. It's dangerous, I tell you. I got permission to mention that. Listen to this verse from, uh, from 1 Peter. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. This is the image, guys. There is, there is a, a roaring lion stalking. Imagine a lion stalking a herd of zebra. You've probably seen it on um, one of those nature programs. And, and, and you know because the person narrating tells you that when that lion is stalking, it's looking for the vulnerable prey, isn't it? It's looking for that one who's become separated from the flock and is isolated. Or, or the zebra that's just like ignoring the threat and just kind of really chill and super not worried. There's no lions around here. It's fine. I'm just going to go to the watering hole by myself in the middle of the day. You know, that, that kind of person. And you know that's the one that the lion is going after. As uh, in, in the old film, The Usual Suspects, Kaiser, Kaiser Soze says that the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The greatest trick is convincing us he did not exist. And Jesus knows he's like a, a roaring lion on the prowl. And so, he, so in this prayer, he gives us a wake-up call. He says, listen, Christian, remember this and know this. Stay alert. There is an evil one, and he is on the attack. You know, the easiest fight to win is against someone who doesn't know they're in a fight. It's just, it's, 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 there's only one, one result of that, isn't it? And, and if we hardly ever consider Satan, if we hardly ever think about how he may be on the attack in our lives, trying to derail us or trip us up or, or lead us astray, if, if Satan never crosses our minds or in our conversations with one another, we never talk about him, then it's possible that we're in a fight and we just don't know it. Or at least we don't acknowledge it. Now listen, we shouldn't see him everywhere. But it's also a mistake to not see him anywhere. And Jesus wants us to know our enemy. And so he teaches us to pray this. But it is possible to over-obsess over Satan and, and over evil and so become super scared and, and, and therefore to be trapped in fear or with no hope or no confidence. And, and I just want us to see that the tone at the end of this prayer is not that. There is a tone of calm, confidence and assurance. Uh, assurance that God will deliver us. That he won't lead us into temptation. It's not fear and hopelessness here. 
Yes, you are on a narrow path if you're a Christian, and it is often difficult to walk. Uh, And yes, you do have an enemy. But listen, we have a great destination where the path ends up. And the one who leads us along the path keeps us safe. We've seen throughout the Lord's Prayer, as we've gone through it slowly, how Jesus answers each of these requests that he teaches us to bring. He's always the answer and the solution to them. So we've seen that he brings the kingdom of God, that he ultimately provides for our greatest needs in the context of each day, that he's the one in whom we receive forgiveness by his death on the cross. And it's the same here today. It's through Jesus that we are not led into temptation. It's through Jesus that we're ultimately delivered from the evil one. Jesus breaks the power of temptation in our life. We're going to come back and see how he does that in a moment. And Jesus will deliver us safely to the end, those who are his. So yes, know your enemy, but also rely with calm assurance on your deliverer. Now, we're just going to, that's really it. Know your enemy and, and rely on your deliverer with calm assurance. I want us to see how, how, kind of how that plays out in these two uh, kind of these, these two-sided requests. And, and the first one is this, lead us not into temptation. So temptation, I, th- I think we kind of generally get the idea, don't we? It's being enticed to something that we know is, is, is wrong or, or not good in some way, but nonetheless is desirable to us. So, so we, we know that experience in life. I mean, let's just take a really stupid example. Think of the, the piece of chocolate cake, right? And, and the way that it just calls out to you and it just woos you with its sweetness and its sugar rush that you know you're going to get with it. And, and you know that more than two slices is probably too much, don't you? But still, that third piece of cake just calls out to you. And you know, like, if you think about it, what it's going to, you know, it's probably not great for your body and, and long-term health and all the rest. And yet it's subtle and it's alluring and it always appears in the moment only good and, and only desirable. In, in the moment of, of, of that kind of, that pull on your heart, you don't see or feel anything that's negative about it or anything bad that could come from it or you minimize it and you only think about how good the cake will taste. And you don't think the long-term health of your body in that moment. And so ultimately, temptation is deceptive. Things always look better in that moment than they are in substance. It always promises a whole load of stuff and yet delivers a whole load of different things which are nothing like as good. Now listen, the chocolate cake is a silly example, but it just helps us get it in in its head. We know, don't we? Temptation gets a lot more serious than that in our lives. We know the consequences are far more disastrous for us. I think it's helpful for us to realize that there's three things that do lead us into temptation. The first one is the evil one who tempts us. Uh, they're, they're name-checked in this, in this prayer. It's his chief work to draw people aside from the good and the true and the beautiful that God has made us for and purposed us for. But he doesn't work alone. You see, he's got two allies that he works with and leverages to, to lead us astray. The, the first ally that he works with is the world out there. And, and when we say the world out there, we mean, we mean kind of human society that's set up apart from God and, and without God at the centre. And so, so what happens is the world out there puts pressure on the Christian from the outside, trying to mould us into its shape, trying to influence us and conform us to be like it, giving us plenty of opportunities to take hold of life and all that offers without reference to God and his words. And everyone knows that, so he, he uses the influence of the world on us. 
But then the third thing that leads us into temptation is the world in here. And that's where it's not just this internal pressure that's kind of trying to conform or shape me into something, but actually there's something in me that leads me towards that as well. Our own corrupted hearts. The Bible uses this funny term, the flesh, for, for, for this idea. It's the weakness in us that makes us temptable. Jesus' brother James writes, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So there's this external uh, pressure and then this internal pull on the Christian and Satan utilizes these to draw us away from the God who loves us and has life for us. And listen, temptation isn't always big, life-defining moments. It's often the everyday little battles. It's whether I'm just going to get really angry with my kids and just lose it with them because they've just pushed me too far. So whether you're going to be overly controlling of people around you, just trying to control and manipulate them in, in all sorts of ways. It's maybe always needing to be in the know and so just going from one gossipy conversation to the next because you need to know everything that's going on in everyone's lives. It's those moments, it's those conversations, it's those things that are just the usual every day. You see, temptation, the other way we can understand that word is testing. You might see that in the footnote there in the Bible, it says that this also means testing. See, these are moments of testing that reveal where we are at and, and what we are like. God brings us into these moments and seasons of testing, not to catch us out, but in a sense, so our faith in him can be strength tested and so we can grow through them. It's never easy in the moment, but... But if we stand the test, then it produces a harvest of righteousness in the end, and, and it's a chance for the work and the power of God to be seen in our hearts and in our lives. And so our prayer here is that God would not lead us into any test that would overcome us. I know it's a battle sometimes, and I know there's some, we take some hits in the Christian life, and there's some losses. But man, it's amazing to see some of the victories. To see in, in, in different people's, people in this church's lives where like, things that once tempted people don't seem to have the same power in their life overall. Maybe they were caught up in, in addictions that just seem to rule their life and destroy it in so many ways, and yet now generally walking in freedom and, and victory. It's not that the battle's altogether gone, but it's nowhere like where it was. Or, or habits and patterns of life that once ruled you when you think about it, actually, like three, four, five years later, actually, it's, it's very different now. Some of those things are gone. Things that were once second nature to us are no longer in our lives. Just consider with me three key moments of temptation as we, as we just dig into this a little further. The first is the first moment of temptation in human history. And it shows us what temptation does at heart. And temptation does this. It causes us to doubt whether God is good and trustworthy, whether God is really uh, for us and loves us. So Satan disguises himself, because of course he's going to disguise himself, isn't he? And he approaches Eve with these smooth and subtle words. Did God really say? Did God really mean? Does God really want what is good for you? Are you sure? And so humans listened to that and were led astray and started to try and grab hold of life without God, who is the author of all life. And so you see, in a very real way, temptation is always a question of whether we believe God's words over how we feel. 
And so it really hones in on the desires of our heart. Is God really giving me what is good or can I grasp after something better myself? Is God withholding something from me that really, if he was good, he would give to me? Can I trust God? Listen, if you were Satan, where would you tempt you? for the video I'll just repeat that question if you were Satan where would you tempt you where are you most likely to feel God holding something back from you which area of life do you tend to think he's not being good to you in I'll tell you what you can bet that's where he's going to come after you so you might think therefore it's a, a foregone conclusion giving in to temptation is just inevitable but listen not if we bring it before God, who is the one who leads us not into temptation. See, here's, here's the second key moment of temptation in history, and it's the temptation of, of Jesus. See, he was not drawn aside by Satan, but he resisted and overcame him. Now, Jesus faced a whole load of temptation through his whole life, it, we, but we read about one particular moment that kind of, I guess, summarizes it all. But it, he was tempted in, in many different ways, just like us. But in that key showdown in the wilderness with Satan, where Satan came to him again and again and he offered him the glory without the cross. He offered him greatness on his own terms, a good and easy life without suffering. Life to the full without his father God's. And time and time again, Jesus resisted. Time and time again, he saw it through and technically said, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. You see, just like you, just like me, Jesus experienced all of that pressure from the world around him. All of that external pressure and all of the seductions of Satan to to things that are not good and not right. And he had so many opportunities in so many ways. You just read his life, like, how, how would you respond in the situations he was in? What would you do? But unlike you and me, he didn't have that inner pull towards these things which are not right and good. He didn't have that corrupted desire leading him astray towards all that is wrong. And so he returned to the word of God again and again in his temptation. And so yes, he was tempted in every way just as we are. And yet he did not sin. And that means Jesus has overcome temptation. He's defeated it. It's a broken force. It's, its power is gone. It's It's overcome. And so here's the third key moment of temptation for us to think about. That's the temptation that you are facing in the moment you are in, whenever that moment is. Your moment of temptation. How will you respond? What what, what will you do when that time goes, comes? For me, left to myself, I'll go for the bait, hook, line, and sinker every time. But because of Christ, I can learn to pray. Lead me not into temptation. See, Jesus here invites us to bring prayer into our battles with temptation. He invites us to see what difference he will make to that situation. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? But it's so powerful. 
God doesn't tempt us. God doesn't entice us to things that are, that are evil and, and wrong because he can't. This is what uh, James, Jesus' brother, writes. Um, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. You see, God, in his nature and in his character, he has no inclination, he has no inner draw or pull towards anything that isn't good and, and, and righteous and perfect and beautiful and, and true. In fact, you could divide, uh, define temptation as, as the desire to do what is contrary to God. It's kind of, it's a move away from him and his nature and his character in every way. God can't tempt, God won't tempt. And so in this prayer, Jesus is teaching, I think, us, teaching us to like draw down on that promise into this situation. The God who can't lead us into temptation, please now in this situation, don't lead me that way, but, but lead me in the way that is right and good. Sometimes we can get in a headspace where we think, that we can't resist temptation anymore. We just think it's a foregone conclusion. Just overcome and sin is inevitable. It's just easier to give in and maybe next time I'll be stronger, but not this time. Perhaps there's that particular area of life where it's just become a pattern, actually. You know, the comfort eating after a really hard day. Or, or just, just the natural inclination just to be so, so judgmental and prejudiced of others. Just as soon as you meet people, you just jump into all sorts of prejudices or maybe for some of us we're just so used to living a double life but one thing at church and in gospel family but just something very different in the workplace or at uni or wherever else and it's just normal for us it's just how we go see when you assume that you can't say no and it's just going to go that way and it's a foregone conclusion then you go into some despair and then you just stop fighting you're like that zebra just, I don't know, lying by the, um, by the watering hole in the middle of the day all by yourself, just waiting to be devoured, basically. But listen, if you're a Christian, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And we have the power of Christ who was raised from the dead in us and the grace of God which empowers and strengthens us to say no to ungodliness. And to say no to, to worldly passions. And to learn to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. In this world around us. We have all of that within us and given to us. And so in the midst of temptation, call out to God for help. Here's, here's a promise from God's word. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And here's the promise. God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Some of us might do well to, to memorize this verse. It's funny how often we do the opposite. We look for the way that we can get closest to the temptation or the sin without kind of technically going over a boundary or a line that we've set ourselves or, or whatever else. And we kind of put ourselves in positions and places of compromise and whatever else. And, and we're going as close as we can. But no, God's word says to us, God provides a way out. And we're to flee. We're to go the other way. God calls us to look for that way out. Don't be overconfident. Don't think you're something. And so make a whole load of foolish decisions that just lead you 
down the wrong path. God will not lead you into temptation. He will always, always also give you a way out. That's the promise. There's always an exit. There's never a moment or a situation you're in where there is not a way out because God has promised he'll provide it to you. So in addition to asking God to not lead you into temptation, in the moment of temptation, say, God, would you show me where the way out is? Show me the door. Show me the exit. Show me the way that you're providing for me to get out of this. He's promised he will give it to you. Why don't you ask him for it? Now, some of these things might be things that we want to pick up in conversations, maybe in gospel families, maybe with people in our cell group this week, because these will be going into deep areas of our lives, I'm sure. And I'd encourage you to do that. Bring people in with you in this. That's lead us not into temptation. Much more briefly, we'll just do the, the second one. Deliver us from the evil one. See, this word deliver can also be rescue. And maybe that's a, a helpful way for us to think of it. And listen, you only need deliverance or rescue when you're under threat or under attack in some way, don't you? And, and, and we are because there is this evil one. And this could be like evil generally in the world, but it's, it's, it's more personal than that, really. It's an evil one in particular who seeks to trip us up and, and cause us injury and, and sow seeds of doubt into our life. This is the roaring lion looking to devour the vulnerable prey whose sole purpose and aim is to attack and to kill and to destroy and to steal. That's all he's about. And he's trying to bring down these Christians who are on that pilgrimage of the Christian life. And listen, he's going to attack by any means he can, but he tends to stick to what works. He's called the father of lies. So he's going to undermine the truth of God and his word in our hearts and minds, cause us to doubt and not believe that. And he's also a destroyer. And so he's going to destroy. He's going to afflict with great suffering and hardship and pain and disaster. And he's wanting to do that to cause us to doubt whether God is real or whether God is good. You see it, and, and those of you kind of familiar with the Bible know the life of Job, that ancient man of great suffering. We read there that it is Satan that afflicts him with the death of his loved ones, with his own personal great pain and his sickness, with his kind of whole um, work life and business all coming down and economic disaster with relational conflict and loneliness and, and all of that. Satan is trying to do so that, so that Job will, um, will turn away from God and curse God. Now, now, when you think about it like that, and you think about this evil one, this, this lion coming to devour, it, it feels pretty scary, doesn't it? And, and we need to acknowledge that by ourselves, we can't, I can't withstand that kind of attack. I can't survive that. No, we need to be rescued or delivered. And the thing is, we have been and we will be. See, where Satan attacks, your Father in heaven will deliver you. Our only hope of facing this onslaught is of the evil one upon our lives is for our good Father in heaven to rescue us and to deliver us safely home. We do need to have our eyes open to the dangers and the snares and, and the path we're walking on. We need to be alert of the ways the evil one will try to trip us up and lead us on a different path. But more than that, we need our eyes set on home. And our eyes set on our Father, the God who has delivered us from the evil one and will deliver us to the end. 
And so that's why we must be, and I want to see how we can be hopeful and confident and assured as we finish the Lord's Prayer as the people of God, and we look forward to an uncertain future that we don't know what's coming, we don't know what the path of life is going to look like. Our hope is that God will deliver us. A line of a song, a really famous song that we sing quite often here. We're going to, we're going to sing it shortly. It's become really precious to me over, over recent years as I guess I've experienced just a little bit more of life and walked through some more stuff. The, 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 uh, the verse of the, of the song goes like this. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. Think back in your own life for a moment. Think back to the dangers. Think back to the toils, to the snares that God has already brought you through. Maybe even now there's some that he is, he is bringing you through. And let that build your faith. Let that assure you and make you confident that any dangers, toils, and snares are yet to come. Those that you see coming and are really you're scared of. Those that you don't know are yet coming. You don't know what's around the corner. He, by his grace, will bring you safely through until you reach your home. Unless God delivers us, unless God keeps us, we will constantly be falling and failing. But because he can, and because he does deliver us, we can stumble on in faith. This is how our Father has provided for our deliverance from the evil one. He's provided us his son. It's the work of his son, Jesus, who walked the path ahead of us that delivers us safely to the end. Jesus has overcome the spiritual powers and authorities. He's defeated them. Not only in that temptation, but most supremely by his death on the cross. He disarmed them. He made a spectacle of them. He, 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 he took away all of the evil one's power against us. And he, he was victorious over them. He has rescued us from them and he has brought us into his kingdom. And he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. The, the good shepherd who knows his sheep and he calls us by name. And, and, and those who are his sheep who know him, that we hear his voice and, and we know his voice. And he, he says that he leads us out and, and leads us on. Elsewhere, we read that Jesus prays that Father God would protect us from the evil one. And in the middle of the very famous psalm, Psalm 23, this is the promise of God fulfilled in Christ. Even though I, even though we walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yes, we walk through dark valleys. Yes, there are many dangers, toils and snares. Yes, we are under attack from an enemy. Yes, we are subject to many temptations. Yes, the Christian life is a pilgrimage with many twists and turns and ups and downs. Listen, if you're not a Christian yet, you need to know that. That's what you're getting into. Or if you're at the start of the Christian life, that's what it's going to look like. But we'll fear no evil. We will fear no evil, for he is with us. He is leading us. He, he, his rodding, his staff, they bring us comfort. He keeps us on the path. He steers us clear of um, mortal danger. He delivers us safely home. What will keep us safe in the end? It is our Father in heaven who leads us not into temptation. It is our Father in heaven who delivers us from the evil one through Christ. And so our only hope, 
our only hope in life and death is that we don't belong to ourselves, but we belong to him and that he's got us. Jesus gave himself. He gave his life to deliver us from the present evil age. He's kind of invested in this quite a lot, hasn't he? He's got some skin in the game. Will he not see through to the end what he started? Will he not keep you safe to the very end, dear Christian? Would he not bring you, yes, you safely home? How could he not? The Bible says that one day he's coming back to crush Satan under our feet. So let him lead you. Listen to his voice. Trust him to keep you safe. Know that he will deliver you. You don't need to know the future. You don't need to know where the path is going. But you need to know you can trust him. He's got you and he's got good for you. That's the end of of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. From the earliest days, though, Christians added this little thing to the end of this prayer. And although it's not what Jesus taught, it's it's a really good thing to add to the end of this prayer because it's all about God's ability to deliver on these requests in Christ. And the ending is this, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. He can do it. He will do it. So just trust him, hope in him, have faith in him. See him doing it in each other's lives day by day. And know that one day he will finish it once and for all. Let's pray and then we'll sing together. Jesus, thank you that you you know us, you know our life experience, You you have lived it, you have been tempted in every way as we are. You have walked a difficult road, you've walked through suffering, you've had the rejection of friends, you've you've experienced great abuse and physical pain and suffering, you've you had your life taken from you. Although you gave it up of your own accords. Jesus, you know life as we experience it. And so you are good to lead and to deliver us and to care for us and tend for us. Lord, sorry I don't listen to your voice. Sorry when my heart is captivated by other things. Help us, Lord, to have hearts captivated by you, safe and secure in you. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but show us the way out. And deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.